Thank you for listening to the Grace Harvest Church podcast. For more information, go to graceharvestchurch.org. Well, Pastor Doug last week kicked off a series called A Transformed Life. And um, we are continuing that series. Last week was part one. This week was part two. Pastor Duck essentially shared the gospel. And if you were here, you heard about the work of Christ and, and, and in that work, how we have new life and he's, what he's come to do. And so today my assignment, and I want to share with you, is uh, a transformed life, part two, encounter with Jesus. And so I, I want to talk to you this morning about encounter with Jesus, some of the stories of the encounters of Jesus in the Bible, an encounter to come face to face. I know that um, we have many different encounters. In fact, today you will have hundreds of encounters. You realize that? Like already you've probably had hundreds, but you see people. Um, I've seen how some of you drive. You'll have encounters. I mean, you know, you'll have, you'll have encounters, the, the idea that you would come face to face with somebody, a situation, something, and that you will have to process and work through, try to understand, and then move through it. There, there are many different kinds of encounters in life, some good, some bad, some adversarial, some friendly, some kind, some hateful encounters. You know, in thinking about this topic this morning, I just was really struck about the idea that it is, it is our desire that everyone here at Grace Harvest Church would have a, an encounter with Jesus Christ, amen? That your lives would be transformed by the gospel of grace. But I also recognize this thing, we recognize this thing, that there may be people in this house, but maybe they are not of the house. And so what I mean by that is maybe you're here this morning and this is a great place to be, good place to hang out, but the gospel of grace hasn't yet impacted your house. It hasn't, it hasn't made an impact that would affect your thoughts, emotions, desires, at the core being of who you are. The gospel of grace hasn't, hasn't saturated enough that it has a way through to change and then move through you. And I want to talk to some of that this morning. I want to share a story with you. And this is from Acts chapter 9. If you've got a Bible or electronic device, Acts chapter 9, verse 19. I want to read to you the story of Saul's encounter, what happened right afterward. Um, the encounter we're talking about, a transformed life encounters with Jesus, Acts chapter 9. I'm going to read the text to you. It's quite long. Just, just, just let it play. Let it play in your head as I read. Here you go. It says, afterward, he ate some food and regained his strength. Saul stayed with the believers in Damascus for a few days, and immediately he began preaching about Jesus in the synagogues saying, he is indeed the son of God. And all who heard him were amazed. Isn't this the same man who caused such devastation among Jesus's followers in Jerusalem? They asked. And didn't he come here to arrest them and take them in chains to the leading priests? Saul's preaching became more and more powerful and the Jews in Damascus couldn't refute his proves that Jesus was indeed the Messiah. And after a while, some of the Jews plotted together to kill him. They were watching for him day and night at the city gate so they could murder him. But Saul was told about their plot. 
So during the night, some of the other believers lowered him in a large basket through an opening in the city wall. And when Saul arrived in Jerusalem, he tried to meet with the believers, but they were all afraid of him. They did not believe he had truly become a believer. And then Barnabas brought him to the apostles and told them how Saul had seen the Lord on the way to Damascus and how the Lord had spoken to Saul. He also told them that Saul had preached boldly in the name of Jesus in Damascus. This is, a, this is a packed story about the consequence of an effect, uh, an encounter with Jesus. It's powerful. There is so much packed in here. We're not going to talk about it. Except what we are going to draw out of it is Saul had an encounter with Jesus on the way, on the road to Damascus, and it forever changed his life. How many of you know that God wants you to have an encounter with him that would do the same? Amen? Come on, come on. Uh, we're, we're talking about the idea that the, an encounter with Christ will leave you a changed person. Um, true saving faith is not a faith in the facts, but a faith in a person, and his name is Jesus. It's not a mental assent or an agreement. It's a firm conviction that leads to conduct. Where there is no accompanying conduct, it's just head belief. True belief causes a transformation on the inside, thoughts, trusts, motives, desires that cause a transformation on the outside, words and deeds. You see, Jesus desires that you would have an encounter with him that would so affect you that it comes out of you in a different way. So that others would see, oh, wow, aren't you the people or the person that used to do this? Yeah, that's me. I did. I once was saved, and now I'm found. Something is different about me. And let me tell you what that is. And his name is Jesus. Amen? Come on. This is what, this is what God is desiring. But, but I don't want to stop there. See, we can't, we can't just stop at the afterward. We've got to roll back to the encounter. Amen? So let's talk Acts chapter 9, verse 1. I'll read it to you. It says, Meanwhile... Saul was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. I want to pause there a moment. How, how, how angry do you have to be to mutter threats to murder people? Let's think about this, this concentration and the energy that, that this one named Saul, who was a Hebrew of Hebrews, who was trained by the, the most well-regarded rabbi, Gamaliel, that he was a student of his, hand-chosen to, to, to walk out the journey of what that meant to sit under a rabbi like that. He knew, he knew the texts, he knew the processes, he understood the history. This man was steeped in religion. Think about this, religion. Right here in this process, we see in the text historical, like who Saul was. And so it says he went to the high priest and he requested letters addressed to the synagogues in Damascus, asking for their cooperation in the arrest of any followers of the way he found there. He wanted to bring them, both men and women, back to Jerusalem in chains. And as he was approaching Damascus on this mission, a light from heaven suddenly shone down around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul. 
Why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. And the voice replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now get up, go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men with Saul stood speechless, for they heard the sound of someone's voice, but saw no one. Saul picked himself up off the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he was blind. So his companions led him by the hand to Damascus. He remained there blind for three days and did not eat or drink. Now there was a believer in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord spoke to him in a vision, calling Ananias, Yes, Lord, he replied. The Lord said, Go over to Straight Street to the house of Judas. And when you get there, ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. He's praying to me right now. I've shown him a vision of a man named Ananias coming in and laying hands on him so he can see again. But Lord, exclaimed Ananias, I've heard many people talk about the terrible things this man has done to the believers in Jerusalem. And he's authorized by the leading priest to arrest everyone who calls upon your name. But the Lord said, go, for Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to the kings as well as to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. So Ananias went and found Saul. He laid his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road has sent me so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Instantly, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he regained his sight. Then he got up and was baptized, and afterward he ate some food and regained his strength, and Saul stayed with the believers in Damascus for a few days. What a supernatural encounter, amen? amen. I mean, I mean it, would be, it would be one thing if that was the story of everyone's encounter with Jesus, but it's not. You see, God knows each and every one of us, and he knows how to reach us, Amen. For some of us, it's an encounter that would mirror something like that. We needed an, an abrupt pause, stop moment that would shake us right to the core and, and tell us, wow, there is a God and, and, and you love us and you're, you're interacting with me right now. For others, it's, it's right in the midst of a, of a, a drug-fueled moment and God reaches in and opens up his heart and shows them his love for them. For others, it's that still small voice. I love you. I have a call for your life. I've created you. For others, it's the same way. It's I am the healer who heals your disease. Right now, I'll meet you. We don't know how the Lord will interrupt our life and we have an encounter with him. Some of you, your story is set. You have a story. And for many of you, the ones that have a story that have encountered Jesus in the way that would radically alter the course of your life, that story needs to be shared. It's a story that's fit for others to hear. I once was this and now I'm this. And let me tell you how Jesus has changed my life. It's powerful. But, but there's this thing about encounters. The thing about encounters is uh, when you have an encounter, you never forget. I mean, and some might fade away a little bit, and when somebody reminds you, you be like, oh, yeah, that, yeah, that. And many of you can pick out memorable encounters that would, that would remind you of different things. I remember one time uh, we were hunting, and my son Enoch, and we, it was snow out, and he was out wandering down or walking down and there was, you know, the edge of the forest and 
And all of a sudden, this is his story. All of a sudden, he's, he turns around and hears a little noise. And he spins around and right in front of him in the mountains is this little wild cat. Long fur off the, you know, and it's, and he said for the moment, he's staring at the cat. The cat's staring at him. And he had a moment. Wow. And then he made a move and the cat. How many of you know encounters can leave impressions, right? You ever had an encounter? You know, you, you'd be left with something. I'm sure that, that over the years, people who've encountered me have left with the many varied and wild ways to think about me. P- pick a moment. And those of you that have known me long enough, you have probably experienced many of them. And you may have thoughts about me because of that. But, but I'm here to tell you that I'm no different than you. I'm no different than you. Given the right place at the right time in the right way, we might have some of the same responses in different ways. I, uh, they were present in the first service, so I didn't share this story. <laughs> it's about me. It's about me. But I remember one time I, uh, somebody came to my home. It was really early. I, I was laying in bed, and we had a... We had a uh, pretty small house. So when you open the front door, it's like 10 steps and around the corner and my bedroom door was like right there. Okay. So, so uh, one of my children opened up the door and this was when they were very young and I was, I was sleeping and I was out. And uh, next thing I know, I open my eyes and I hear somebody in my house. I don't know where my wife was. And I hear somebody in my house and I hear the kids talking with them and I get up and I was grumpy or I was just waking up. I was the kind of wake up that was like you wake up and there's a fog and you're like, what's going on out here? And I remember walking out to the living room and I have my, you know, my, my sleep shorts or my, you know, and the t-shirt that's got holes in it, but it's comfortable. It's just the right thing to wear, right? You're just like, it's the right thing. I would never wear it around people, but it's the right, okay, some people, but you know, it's like the right thing, you know? And so, so I get out. And I'm walking out, I'm like, what's going on here? And there in my living room is one of the most godly people that I know, like here. And I'm like, what's going on? What? <laughs> you know, you just don't know, like encounters. I know to this day, I know to this day, because they've told me. They've told me, we won't ever drop in early to your house. I'm ashamed of that. It's not. But you know what I'm saying. Some of you have your own stories. And so when we talk about encounters, we're talking about encounters with the one who loves you and who sent for you. Jesus encounters. I want to I talk to you several things. First off, Jesus' encounters in the scriptures are often not what we anticipate or expect. In Luke chapter 2, verse 12, it's the angels talking to the shepherds, and it says, and you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in the manger. If you were a Hebrew and you had heard the stories about the coming Messiah and the one who will save the nation of Israel, his arrival as a baby in a manger 
was probably not the way you envisioned. In fact, we know that. We know that that's not how they envisioned their Messiah to come. They were looking for a warrior. Somebody who would come to save our nation from the tyranny of these oppressors. And what does God do? He sends a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes. Kind of sounds comfortable. Lying in a manger. And if you were a scholar and reading through and understood, there were some of the Hebrews that understood we know how he's going to come. We, we know and we're waiting for this, this sign of the, the miraculous that's going to be different than anything we imagine. And isn't it just like God? When, when, when he interrupts our lives with the good news of his mission to us, sometimes it's not all like we expected Sometimes it comes in different ways, packaged in different people, or maybe it's, you know, at a conference that just happened like yesterday, or maybe it's like you're out in a walk in a field by yourself, and all of a sudden the Lord just speaks to you like I just heard earlier today. You don't know, but the heart of God knows you, and he, he's out to get his creation because he loves you. So it's not often what we anticipate or expect an encounter with Jesus, but we must remain open. And there's the hard part. Because as people, we have all the answers all the time. Come on. I've spoken to a lot of you. We know how the Lord will move, and we know what he will say, and we know how he will interrupt, except the thing is, is when I talk to you, he hardly ever does it that way. And when you're impacted, you've got a story of another kind. And that's the heart of God in encounters. We see in the scripture there, in John chapter 4, verse 10, we see that encounters with Jesus address the unknown questions or the needed answers or the things that need answered. And, and this is the story of Jesus encountering the woman at the well. Woman's there midday, off time. Hebrew man walks up to her. She's a, a, from in Samaria. They shouldn't have been talking in the first place, but here's the encounter. They had already been talking. And Jesus replies, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. Wow. Okay, you piqued my interest. I'm listening. She was listening. She was processing but sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, she said, and this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? She, she, she heard him. She used the same phrase back to him. And besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I will give, I give, will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water. Then I'll never be thirsty again and I won't have to come here to get water. 
She, she heard what she wanted to hear in that moment. I mean, if, if you look and read stories um, contextually, historically, you would understand how much time it took the average female caregiver in a home to do all of the tasks they needed to do. It was an all-day process. The, the idea of getting water and drawing water and carrying it wasn't just, we have these ideas like, who? okay, you know. It wasn't like that at all. For some of these women, it was hours just getting water. And so here she encounters this man who comes up to say, what are you doing? I got something, and if you only knew the gift I had, man, you would be asking. But there's something here that I have for you, and it's living water that inside of you will begin like a spring and then begin to roll out of you eternal life, and it's living water. And she heard, I will never be thirsty physically again. Sign me up. But you know what Jesus was also saying to her? He's saying, I am the one who's going to fulfill all of the deep issues of your life. I'm going to get into, the, I'm going to be the one that gets in all the cracks and in all the areas of, of this fractured human condition that, that causes you to go here and there and talk to him and him and move over here and over here and, and give yourself to him, him and him. I am the one that will answer that. But she also gives the right answer. I want this thing that you have. And she didn't even know the implications and the depth with which that would revolutionize her life. You see, Jesus addresses the unknown questions that need answers. He'll get right in and begin to, begin to work. And before you know, it's like, oh, oh, the grace of God, the presence of God just like impacted this. Have you ever had moments where if you've ever spent time with prayer or driving down, you know, alone in your car and worship and, and the presence of God is real and then you just have a moment with God, it's emotional. And you know, he just impacted something in my life. Like he just touched something. He, he, he moved in me in a way that I didn't even know I had a hurt or a need. This is Jesus that we're talking about. This is, this is who he is. You see, Jesus' encounters will reveal the innermost or grossest parts of us. Something we don't like to talk about. But Jesus is, is, is eager to get in our stuff. He's eager to cut right to, to, to the depths of that ambition or those desires or that way of thinking or that, that pattern of life. He, he wants to get into the nitty gritty because he knows. He gets his hands in there and you will never be the same again. Just give me that thing. I'm going to reshape and refashion and kill and destroy and move and I will give you. In fact, over and over in the scriptures, scripture says it's God's heart. I will give you a new heart. I will, I will refashion. I'll take that heart of stone in Ezekiel and then in the New Testament, I will take this, I will refashion because it's God's desire to get into this stuff. He'll, he'll unveil, he'll, he'll, it's his kindness that leads us to repentance. 
Sometimes we don't see it that way, and it's really hard to, to comprehend in the moment. In fact, in, in Hebrews chapter 4, it says, For the word of God is alive and powerful. It's sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes. And he is the one to whom we are accountable. I'm so grateful for this text here that would lay out exactly. Because if it's his kindness that leads us to repentance, and it's his heart to want to reach his creation and mold us into the image of God or take us to what he has designed us for, I want that for my life, amen? You want that. For, that's, like, that's like grade A stuff, man. That's like uh, you look at yourself and think about yourself and then think everything I could think about for my own machinations and desires. God, you're so much better. I'll take that. I'll take that. Shape me, mold me, take these things inside of me. You see me. Do what it is that you want to do. He's eager to get into our stuff. But, but here's the thing. Each one of us sitting here has had an encounter with Jesus, if you call him your Lord and Savior, and he has already been in your life, amen? I mean, if you walk with God, you will understand that, that he's, he's after you. Holy Spirit, to convict the world of their sin, the comfort and lead and guide in truth, and the Lord saying, come on, you can run, but you can't hide, come on. I'm after you. I'm going to shape you. I'm going to fashion you. Oh, and that thing that you've been holding secret for a long time, today's the day it gets exposed in a loving way with a Christian brother or sister as they just ask questions led by me. And all of a sudden you're like, Bloop. and you wait and see for the reaction. But I want to charge you as brothers and sisters in the Lord when that happens to you. Remember the grace of God in your life. And remember that grace is good enough for them as well. Amen? There were a people that walked together. You see, Jesus, an encounter with Jesus will get to the true matter of the heart. We can be superficial and many of us can, man, we can, we can like talk, talk different ways and have two sides of the mouth and we can like, you know, we can play, play these war games with our words and stuff. But Jesus... I love this because that's what happens. In the rest of the story of the woman at the well, he then says, go and get your husband. She says, I don't have a husband. It's, talk about verbal karate or something. It's like, she had it. It's like, Jesus like, go get your husband. She's like, oh, I don't have a husband. Now, remember the context here. She she. A Samaritan woman is talking to a Hebrew man. She's living with a guy. She's been divorced multiple times. It's not the easiest of topics or the unveiling that you would want to a stranger. You following me? And so right here in this moment, she sidesteps the issue with her own truths of the story, version of the story. Here it is. I don't have a husband. Now for most people... That could have been the end of it, right? Oh, oh, okay, yeah, all right. Well, then, okay, go about your day and, and do what you do. But Jesus, being Jesus, said, you're right. 
you don't have a husband, for you've had five husbands. You know what I love about this? He cuts right to the core and pulls right to the truths, but not to shame her or embarrass her. But, 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 but there's something in the process of an encounter with Jesus that, that needs to shed light on the whole story. It's like this, this cancer, this growth, this thing. It's like, there you go. I helped you out. <laughs> you, you just were a little bit, but I just, whoa, there it is. You've had five husbands, and the man that you live with today is not your husband. Her response, you certainly, so he tells her, you certainly spoke the truth. It, it, it's an amazing story. It's an amazing story that sends a message to us that God is after us. And, and he is willing to even stand there and put up with the smoke screens that we would, because he's just waiting his turn. Are you, are you done talking? Are you done? Are you done? Oh, it's my turn. Yeah, what you said is part true, but let me tell you the rest of the story. And all of a sudden, you're left undone with the one who loves you and is reminding you, I have something for you that is greater than anything you could ever ask or imagine. It's my life for you. That's the message of the gospel. That, that he takes fallen, broken people and gives them life anew. I love the text that was shared this morning and during worship and just the, 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 the way that even the worship um, words were, were, were ministering to me, this understanding that, oh God, you will take and reach down and all I have to offer you is this. And that's what you want. This is what you want from me. This is what you want from us, our life for yours. Jesus will get right to the true matter of the heart. And so what happens when we have encounters and we recognize the idea that, God, you're after us. You'll speak your truth. It's your kindness that leads us to repentance. A life transformed is what you want. Well, then he says in Mark 16, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved, but anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. These miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. They will cast out demons in my name. They will speak new languages. They'll be able to handle snakes with safety. If they drink anything poisonous, it won't hurt them. They'll be able to place their hands on the sick, and they will be healed. Jesus is saying, you've had an encounter. Your life has been transformed. You know me. Now take that out into the world. Share it with people. Tell your story, the gospel's intervention, and share it for others. It was good enough for you. It's good enough for them. Yeah. Amen? Amen? Jesus encounters. Even when we least expect it. In, in Matthew 14, Jesus shows up walking on water for Peter. Even when you can't do it. Mark chapter 2, friends lowered through the roof, and Jesus healed them. I love that story. It says they dug through the roof, thick mud roofs. Even when you got questions in John chapter 3, Nicodemus, Jesus took the time to talk to him, answer the questions, rebirth. Wait a minute. I'm sitting here as an old man, rebirth? Yeah, but how though? That was his questions. But how though? How though? Like, what? But why though? What? 
And Jesus took the time to talk with him and tell him, even when you're immersed in sin, Jesus encountered. John chapter 7, John chapter 8, the woman called in the, caught in the act of adultery. Powerful story about the love of God. Go and sin no more. I love you. Life change. Life altering encounter. Think about this, people. Think about the idea that when, 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 when people in our realm are caught, when people in our realm confess that we be a people of grace, speaking and doing like Jesus, grace that was good enough for you that would be good enough for them. Amen? Amen. And that when you're weary and harassed, Matthew chapter 9, Jesus had great compassion. It says Jesus looked at the crowds and they were hungry and tired and weary. First response to their human condition was something like this. Disciples, hey, the food that we brought, bring it here. Look at all these people, the 5,000 plus, right? Come on, baskets. And the disciples are over here. The scripture says, disciples are over here. Uh, Jesus, we got like five loaves and two fishes here. 5,000. How about we just save this for our own meal? You know, send them on their way. Let them go eat. And then we can eat and we can have a meeting afterwards, right? But Jesus, he knew that he had to care for them right where they're at. And they're hungry. And they're needy. So he's like, here's what you need to do. Just take the baskets and just start moving one to the other. Breaking this, doing that. Just start and it will multiply and you'll feed. And when they get done eating, then we'll launch in. We will meet them right where they're at. And this is Jesus. Jesus.